You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call, as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers dominate the Penn State Nittany Lions 74-57 to in a game that Indiana took control of early, never really relinquished control, even though the second half was, you know, a little bit more uneven and sluggish than the first half was, but the Hoosiers were absolute dynamite in the first half. And if there was any worry about there being a little bit of a hangover after that Michigan game or that that was a sign of things to come, Indiana put an end to those thoughts right away uh, as the starters, which we'll talk about here in just a second, had one of their best early performances in a game in a long time. The win brings Indiana to 15-5 on the season, 6-4 and four in Big Ten play, uh, and was definitely one that they needed after the disappointment of that Michigan loss to kind of get back on track. Now with uh, you know what we think is another winnable road game coming up against Maryland on Saturday, kind of felt like this performance righted the ship a little bit for Indiana as we now go into the back stretch of Big Ten play. I'm your host, Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and the coach, Brian Tonsoni, and we are going to break it all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. And let's start the show the way we start every show. And that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And you have to go back to the start of the game for the Banner Moment today because that's where this game was won in a game where Indiana wins by 17 and they jump out to a 12-0 lead. And so I'm going to go to the 1557 mark of the first half. Indiana's already up 10 to nothing. Miller Cop plays great defense to force a steal. He gets it out to Xavier Johnson for a fast break layup. It put Indiana up 12 to nothing to start the game. And, you know, kind of allowed all Indiana fans to relax a little bit, exhale a little bit, as there's been so much angst about the way that Indiana has started. You know, in the Purdue game, they started poorly, but were able to come back and win. In the Michigan game, they started poorly, and it was a harbinger of what was to come for the rest of the game. But today, it was all about energy for Indiana, and their defense was just absolutely on point. It led to a lot of good looks on offense. And then on the other end, the ball was moving offensively to create good looks. They were going inside. They were going outside. They were making shots. Everything about Indiana's performance in the first half was focused, was tight, was together, was energetic. It was everything that the performance against Michigan was not. And it was great to see Indiana come out and play that way and get off to a good start because we've known, you know, Indiana can't keep digging themselves holes and win games. That's just not sustainable. And tonight they were able to do what we've been asking for them to do, which is come out with that energy and focus right from the tip, take control of the game at home against a team they're better than. And they did it. And it allowed them to basically cruise for the rest of the night. So excellent, excellent job by the starters uh, tonight for Indiana. And our Hoosier Proud Banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Homefield Apparel, now in their fifth season, sponsoring the Assembly Call, and their first as the presenting sponsor for the Back Home Network. As you surely know by now, Homefield has the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you will find anywhere, with beloved logos like two different versions of the Bison and so many others. And if you support other college teams or have people in your life who do, Homefield probably has something for them too. Their product line now extends to more than 120 different schools with unique vintage logos for all of them. And no matter what you buy, you know it's going to be comfortable and the colors will last through many washings. Plus, you're supporting an Indiana-based company that came up through Kelly. 
What could be better than that? So go to homefieldapparel.com, use our promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, to get 15% off your entire first order. That's promo code HOME for 15% off. Once again, the website, homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. All right, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. And let's start with Andy Bottoms. Andy, your bottoms line on this Indiana victory. Yeah, like you said, it, it would have been it, it probably would have been more fun to come on and do the show um, basically at halftime because uh, <laughs> it's kind of hard now to like ratchet your mind back to when things looked really good. I mean, the second half was just kind of playing out the, um, you know, playing out the half. I think I, you know, let Penn State get a little comfortable, make some threes. I think that's probably uh, not unexpected given you're up 29 at halftime and how well they played there. So um kind of odd to go like look back at the game as a whole and really the first half was super impressive uh in terms of the way that they were able to to play for a, a consistent stretch of time and kind of all the things that everybody wished they'd done in the Michigan game they were able to do there just getting to loose balls and and playing with a sense of urgency that was um was a lot different than what we we saw on uh, on Sunday so um you know Xavier Johnson I thought was again just really seems to be settling in being able to to rein in decision making and emotions and, and things like that and really just lead the team and all the things that you want from him and uh unfortunately his role becomes that much more important uh injury to rob Finnessy uh tonight you know anytime there's really kind of a non-contact injury you can't feel uh very good about it so uh i'm not going to speculate on what um the injury might be but uh like i said non-contact one tends to tends to not be very good so i ended up playing almost the whole second half until the very end when they took him out. Um, but uh, another really strong game from him. Race played really well. Trace played really well. Uh, it was, uh, you know, a game IU needs its its stars to play well, and those guys all really stepped up and uh, got the team off to a great start. Defense was outstanding in the first half. Uh, IU shot the ball as well as they're probably ever going to shoot the ball from three in the first half, and it was kind of the perfect storm of everything really going well uh, for IU. And then the second half just kind of was... 20 minutes of basketball to a certain extent. So uh, I, I would imagine most of our analysis will focus on the, uh, on the, on the first part. Yeah. Cause man, like I know, you know, the second half little, you know, it wasn't quite as good, but man, it's hard to win a big 10 game by 17 points. Like it's okay to be happy about this one, folks. It was a good win by the Hoosiers. I see a little Co- angst in the chat. Like we won by Coach 17. And I were already trying to figure out how much, if they really blew them out, how much it could help the net ranking. I mean, that was really like, that's the only, uh, that would have been the only really reason I would have advocated leaving the starters in as long as I, you did. It was like, man, if you get, get a 30 point win or something, then maybe it's worth it. But, um, but yeah, it's it, it is kind of odd. I think the second half kind of numbs everybody a little bit to like how great the first half was. Unfortunately, um, as you look back, so we'll try to we'll try to rekindle some of the the memories of the first <laughs> half as we go here. Yes, while well, asking some valid questions about maybe what Coach Woodson was thinking in the second half. But <laughs> F- Coach, fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> it is Tonsoni time. What's on your mind about this one? Well, it, it's the kind of game we all needed. Uh, the basketball program needed it more than the fans. Maybe, maybe not. But it was just nice after an up-and-down week, you know, a really good win uh, against Purdue. And then, man, the bottom kind of fell out, and it brought up all those questions again, whether they were technical questions or, you know, mental toughness, all of that stuff. Indiana responded, and that's what happens. When you have a setback, you need to respond. And most of tonight should be focused on the first half because that was just an incredible half of basketball on both ends. You you mentioned energy. The word I used was intensity on both ends. Attention to detail. Uh, the offense moved a lot more in the first half. Uh, you know, they ran some what we call floppy action. They, 
pin down screens and some staggered doubles and some things that we had kind of been wanting to see. They did that in the first half. And I thought uh, they got some really solid bench play tonight. And so the the game was a fantastic effort all, all the way through. Um, when you're up, you know, 29 points at halftime, that, that's just hard to do in against anyone, let alone a team that beat you uh, a few weeks earlier. So that, that's that's the focus is Indiana responded to adversity and came out and got the job done. Not only got the job done, but they got it done in a fantastic fashion. And then, okay, every, the water finds its level. They weren't going to go one for 10 or two for 20 in a game. We would like that and be a 40-point blowout, but they got hot, and the game was never in jeopardy. Yeah, even though at the last four minutes it got down to 15 or 16, it makes you, you worry a little bit. But this game was never in jeopardy. That's a credit to Coach Woodson. That's a credit to the starting lineup. That's a credit to the bench. This is a good IU victory. So let's talk about how good it was. Uh, winning is tough. In any league, this league with the coaches that they have 17 points, this is a great, great result for the Indiana Hoosiers. Tom Crean might quibble just a bit that a 14-point lead at the under-four-minute timeout of the second half isn't in jeopardy. Has been once before. Just, just saying. Okay. <laughs> positive. Positive. And Andy but leaves. You just scared Andy right out of the show with that, with that comment. Reminding him of one of the worst memories uh, ever since our show started. Um, so, Coach, I want to talk about you know what I think is the biggest storyline coming out of this game outside of the starters. Welcome back, Andy. Uh, and that is right. the play. I wasn't going to stand for you. I actually closed my browser, so we're we're we're, we're back, good. But we're good. I do believe I had a. Uh, a somewhat beer induced rant at the end uh, in the post game show of that one for those who want to look oh boy. <laughs> look back yeah. in the archives that was not a good one as i recall the show got loose back in those days it certainly did um let's talk about Xavier Johnson a little bit more um you know i really think he's come around over the last few weeks um and i actually think a big turning point for him was that Notre Dame game you know you'll recall in the second half when he was just taking all kinds of shots Woody pulled him, you know, he came in and was much better. And it's really felt like, you know, he's always going to have his little moments where he gets a little bit out of control, but it really feels like now they're isolated to like a possession. And then he kind of calms down and backs himself out and, you know, and is just a much steadier hand for this team. Now he hasn't fully solved the turnover issue. You know, tonight he had three, he had five a few games ago, but it's getting better. And his turnover rate in Indiana's, you know, tier A and B games is like 16%, 17%, which is much, much better than his career average, much better than his season average at 17.3 right now with an assist rate at 32.5. And he's scoring, you know, had 16 points again. And I think as you look, you know, in the micro sense, that's obviously huge because Indiana needs Xavier. We've talked about how important he is uh, in every game. But also, Coach, I think in a macro sense, you know, we've kind of talked a lot about how, you know, this system that, you know, what he seems like he wants to run, it's really going to lean heavily on the point guard to do a lot of heavy lifting. And so to me, I'm really encouraged by the growth that we've seen from X from the start of the season until now. And he looks like a guy that's ready to lead this team now down the back half of Big Ten play where, you know, there's a chance for us to go out there in most games and be even at point guard or possibly have an advantage. I mean, it's been a long time since we've been able to say that. And if this is something where Woody's able to bring a guy along and within each season, he's able to get better with the talent that he's recruiting, 
that to me is a great sign. And so that's been one of the most encouraging things to me, you know, quibbles about some of the stuff that, you know, that happens in game, all of that, but his ability to develop a guard and to develop Xavier Johnson, I think has been really encouraging. Xavier is, I don't want to say the key because you got Trace Jackson Davis, but he really is the key for success. When the point guards play well, Indiana's going to play well. And, and Xavier Johnson has been fantastic. He had three turnovers, but he also had six assists. That's a two-to-one ratio of assist to turnovers. That's solid. When you're going to have the ball in your hands as much as he did, especially with Rob going out, you actually want your point guard to have a turnover or two because they're making plays. They're not being safe. You know that, That's been the concern with Rob Fennessey is sometimes he played – the game safe because he didn't want to turn the ball over. Uh, but Xavier Johnson has a motor and the motor is in, you know, full gear all the time. And and sometimes that causes bad decisions. And I think you're absolutely right. The progression that he's made this season from thinking the game had to be totally on him from his Pittsburgh days to now taking advantage of what defenses will give him because of Trace Jackson Davis, because of locking down on the shooters and playing with a controlled passion I think you've seen that in most games. I mean, I think he was really the only guy that really brought a lot at the Michigan game. Uh, and, and so, you know, we need Xavier Johnson. We've said that all along. I know the 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 Wisconsin game, and, and there were a few games, the Notre Dame game you mentioned, but Xavier Johnson is fantastic um, and has been fantastic lately and is a big part of why Indiana – is is where they're at. And and what's nice is he's taking good shots. And when he takes good shots, his shot looks a little uh, messed up, that little hitch in it. But when he takes good shots with both feet set under him, whether it's going under the ball screen, which he's not very good off the dribble, or getting a, a, a kick out where he is a lot better, he's hitting a lot of those now because he's taking good shots. And then he gets fouled. And then in the start the second half, I know defensively there were some a, a lot of mistakes, 17, but he's taking charges too. I mean, he mm-hmm. sticks his nose in there, uh, and then he got some rebounds tonight. So when you really look at his game, we can't nitpick, you know, the two or three possessions where maybe he made a bad decision or not because the percentage of good decisions and great plays are are so high with him right now. And where would we be without him? I, I just don't I just don't think we'd be even remotely close to where where we would be. Uh, big getting to be a big fan of Xavier's more and more and more every game. Yeah, he's six for nine from three point range across his last four games. Now shooting thirty seven point eight percent, which would be by far his best. And you know, Andy, the other thing that I always think when I watch him is, man, no one plays harder than him on both ends. I mean, he is just constantly going. It's not fake hustle. He just plays hard. Like he kind of only has one speed, you know. And I think in a lot of games, and we talked about this with you know with Rick and with Jay on the uh, the Michigan post game show. Sometimes when the starters aren't playing well, it's like X is playing at one speed and they're all playing at another. And it's like they're not quite on the same page. And tonight, what was great about the way the game started, and I think I give Trace a lot of credit for this because I thought he came out early and really set a tone with energy, is everybody was playing with X's energy to open the game. And they can look really good when they do that, you know, and that's what was so great about the way this game started. Yeah, and we've we've seen that from him. We talked about that Um you know, Purdue game, he kind of kept him in it early, exited with his energy. Same thing with Michigan, where he's just trying to drag everybody along. And if they can find ways to match some of that, um, I think, uh, obviously, it, it certainly helped tonight be able to to get there. Um, but there, the things were a lot more fluid when everybody, you know, offensively uh, in that regard. And, and one of the other things with him, 
you know, hasn't gotten knock on wood, you know, last three games has made four total fouls in the last three games. Now he had four fouls in three games, each of the three games prior to that. But um, I, I think he's, he's doing a better job not getting sucked into some of those things. And I know we can talk about you know, the way he reacts to different calls and how that may or may not play well with certain officials. Um, but I think he's, you know, again, just as you think of maturity and, and if Rob ends up being out for a period of time, uh, I, you need him on the floor as much as humanly possible. So he's got to be able to find ways to, uh, to bring that same intensity, but not put himself in a position to get uh, fouls called at him. But I thought he's, you know, been smarter attacking the basket, um, taking his shot when it's there, looking to make plays for others when he can. And uh, just really his, I, I think we were, even when he was struggling at times, I, I tend to think we were a little bit less hard on him than others. Cause I think we saw the difference in what, you know, he brought to the table and what the drop off really was from a, you know, the, the ceiling of this team with others, but um, he's gotten even better since then. And, and some of the things that were easy to nitpick about the way he was playing, he's, he's really shown some uh, improvement in within the season, which uh, I think bodes really well. I think he's, he's a guy, if you've you know, read some of the pieces or you know, heard him talk to just, is a making a conscious effort to to do some of those things and not get um, caught up in some of the things that that gave him issues at Pitt, um, and so you know credit to him for doing that and and uh, I think shot selection for the most part uh, has been good. The second half, I don't know that there was a lot of great shot selection from anybody, so I'm not going <laughs> to single him out by any stretch um, in that one. But uh, overall, just just a really really strong performance from him, and uh, we we've said it pretty much since the ceiling that or pretty much since the beginning, like the ceiling of this team is defined on how well he plays and how much he can be on the floor. By the way, Mike Woodson talking to Don Fisher after the game said, we played a great first half and I thought we stunk the second half. So <laughs> Mike Woodson saw the exact same thing that we all did just fine. But when you're so good that you're up by 30 some points at halftime, you can do that and still get a decisive 17 point victory. Last topic that I want to talk about here in segment one, you know, obviously X was great. I thought Race Thompson really showed a lot tonight, and he typically does, but I thought he showed more offensively. You know, he's made, I think, now three threes in the last couple of games. Uh, you know, so finally him taking three pointers is starting to pay off a little bit. But, coach, I feel like we're seeing more purposeful confidence from race on offense, which is what I would call it. Like early in the season, it kind of felt like, okay, he's able to dribble the ball up, he can do more stuff. You know, but it was a little bit disjointed. You know, now he's shooting with more confidence. Uh, you know, he's you can really see him attacking the rim uh, when he gets close, you know, so he's not missing as many of kind of the close ones by trying to, you know, finger roll it and do some of those things. Like he's he really seems to be in more of a groove offensively. And, you know, obviously to have that next to, you know, next to Trace um, would be huge for this team. And he he really seems to be coming into his own here these last few games offensively. Yeah, his ability to hit the three is another, uh, you know, great aspect for, to add to this Indiana offense because it just spaces the floor. You know, he's taken them uh, quickly in offense all season long, so I think that coach has given him the, that confidence to shoot the three. But there was something a little different tonight. Obviously, they went in, but it looked like he he didn't hesitate. And I thought there were a couple times. One on on a catch in the zone at the elbow, he turned and had a shot, and then he hesitated for a little bit. And and another time after he hit his first three, he caught one, and he kind of just shot faked slightly. I'd have loved to see him pull that one uh, as well. When you're hot race, go ahead and shoot. But 
most of his offense in the past has been because he just hustles offensive rebounds, Mm -hmm. a dive when they're double teaming a TJD, and then it's a dunk or it's a post move. They've given them the ball in the post on post-ups a lot this year and let him back in. That little jump hook has been really, really nice. He's got really good footwork in the post uh, to get angles and to move the defender and get to the rim. So that's always been a part of his game. But that 15-footer, that three-pointer, and then if people have to close out on him, the the ability to shot fake and make a a teammate better uh, off the drive or get to the rim, that adds. And and there's still enough time in this season to add to what's been going on, and it always needs to get better throughout the year. But the uh, X's progression and then race, if he he doesn't have to make one every game, but he has to be a threat. And three in the last three games, that's going to start showing up on scouting reports to get there on the catch that takes away a defensive scheming plan from the opposing team to not close out as hard on him, and that'll add some things to Indiana's offense. But, you know, it's good for him. The, the guy plays his rear end off every game on both ends of the floor. Just never – there's never a doubt. Yes, he might have a bad game here or there energy-wise, but he has just been fantastic for his whole career here. It's so good to see that offensive game being added, especially the shooting ability. And to be fair, you know, he is still shooting 19.4% from three, so we don't want to go overboard. But, you know, three in the last two games. And that's the thing is coaches are watching this film. If that's a trend that can continue – then yeah, maybe what we've talked about for feels like three years now. Well, if race could just be a threat, you know, have a little bit of gravity taking a guy out there, how much it would help. And you know, but he, and here's he something looks with stats too. Shooting him now, the the analytics are good. There was a good discussion we had uh, in the community about analytics. Analytics are good, but race has a good form and a good shot. And sometimes it's just a matter of if you go two for 20, and that doesn't necessarily mean you're a bad shooter if your form's still good. Because if you turn around and go 10 for 20, now, you know, now you're a 30% shooter. So, uh, you know, but then volume happens. So these threes now, yeah, it moves them up only to 19%. Uh, but it could be a different story come Big Ten tournament time, NCAA tournament time to add to the offense. Andy, your thoughts on the play of race? Yeah, a couple of things I'll, I'll I'll add, um, and, and I'm not sure which is the, you know, it's kind of a chicken and egg scenario, but he he's also looking a lot more comfortable at the free throw line. I mean, he you know look really really mm-hmm. good four for four tonight, and you look up and in conference play he's twenty wow. of twenty four, um, and Damn. and I think that's been an area that he's I didn't realize. There's a lot of things I was kind of looking at his his game log. He's got at least nine points in fourteen straight games. Um, which I don't know that I, I had realized. So in a lot of that, maybe because some of the points are not as flashy in what you guys said, he's getting put back. He's getting, um, doing some of the dirty work and doing those things, but you know, he's about 65% on twos. It's so he's, he's doing a lot of great things, but I think some of that confidence, you know, again, I'm going to say his confidence at the, the three point line bled over a little bit into some of the free throws. He had another, uh, longer jumper, I think tonight as well. And, um, now, that's been something that's always been said about him is he has that ability. He doesn't have a, a bad looking shot. Um, so it's one of those. I think we've we've seen that within these last two games with IU's opponents and even with IU, whether it be individually or as a team, you see the ball go in the basket a couple of times. That's a has a huge impact. So I think uh, be interesting to see how he's able to build um, on this performance in terms of the, the three point shooting. But um you know, the other thing I loved, this has nothing to do with stats. He picks up his third foul like early in the second half, and he was <laughs> pissed about it getting taken out of the game, uh, which you always like to see. Uh, and, it, and it made sense at the time. Probably doesn't make sense to leave him out there with three fouls. There's 19 minutes and something left in the second half, and you're up by 20-something. But, man, he 
he just kind of had the look of like he was so disappointed that he was getting taken out and mm-hmm. um i think he's really enjoying and, and thriving um in the in the new system and and in his expanded role yeah absolutely all right. Well, coming up here, uh, as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's 17-point victory over Penn State, we will point out tonight's meaningful moments that you might have missed, and then we'll go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from the game. You're listening to The Assembly Call. Stick with us. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Ethan Happ, and I never listen to the assembly call, especially the episodes that Ryan is on. Well, we hope you're listening tonight, Ethan. Thank you. You are uh, listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Coach Brian Tonsoni and Andy Bottoms. We are breaking down Indiana's victory over Penn State, a bounce-back performance that the Hoosiers sorely needed after that terrible performance against Michigan. And guys, it is time for today's meaningful moment that you might have missed. And our meaningful moment tonight is actually being presented by our partnership, or in partnership with our friends at Hoosier Ticket Project. Um, They're not paying us for this. We just want to support their cause because they've helped so many IU families remove the financial barriers to creating meaningful moments at Assembly Hall. And that is really what this is all about. So if you don't know, you probably do. The project was launched unofficially a few years back by the Mop Lady Twitter account. It is now an official 5013C charitable organization, which means that your contributions are tax deductible. And so what we are doing is we're coming into town on February 5th for the Illinois game. So there's just one more game between now and then, Saturday against Maryland. Then Indiana has a nice little break, and then we'll be in town February 5th for the Illinois game. And we want as many Assembly Call listeners there as possible so that we can meet you face-to-face. So Josh, a Hoosier Ticket Project, has pledged a couple of tickets to that game to the AC listeners who need them most. So what you need to do is go to their website, HoosierTicketProject.org, and click the Request button, then share your story. Make sure to note that you're an Assembly Call listener. And then with Josh, we're going to choose one of those entries to get the tickets and then hopefully plan a way to meet you at the game. So again, the website is HoosierTicketProject.org. Uh, and you know, if you don't need tickets, but you have some to donate or you want to make a financial contribution to what they're doing over there, click the red Donate button when you go. Again, it's HoosierTicketProject.org. Meaningful moments that you might have missed. Okay. 
So the first meaningful moment uh, that a lot of people miss, and actually uh, seem like many uh, a few of the people that are on this call might have missed, was this from about the five-minute mark in the first half. Assembly call. About 25% of its points from beyond the arc, but not the case tonight, nearly half from the three-point line. And you mentioned it off the top. A lot of people you get on the site's assembly call and inside the hall. Two great sites, two great fan bases there, the Indiana fans. And they're, they're trying to ask Coach Woodson, should you change the lineup? And he's like, no, we're getting the looks. We're just not hitting them. The great Jess Settles, obviously the best former Big Ten player who does uh, color analysis, name dropping assembly call and inside the hall. We appreciate that. Assembly call. It was very cool to hear. I think Ryan thought that he just misspoke and said assembly call instead of assembly hall, and I had to go back and listen to it again. Um, but yes, a lot, a lot of the folks from our community, from Alex's community inside the hall, have been wondering about what Mike Woodson would do with the starting lineup, and his stubbornness and sticking with it certainly worked out tonight. So that is uh, that is all good. But that was a fun little moment, uh, and we appreciate that from Jess. But, you know, guys, the one moment that I want to point out I think there's a few good ones, but again, you know, I want to go back to the very beginning of the game, Andy, because so much of the story of tonight was written really before the first media timeout and actually just the first offensive and defensive possession of the game. You know, Indiana gets the ball first. They go down to Trace Jackson Davis. He's assertive, backs Harrar uh, 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 down and scores on a nice little baby hook, then goes to the other end with a block shot. And I thought Trace really set the tone early with great energy. He looked healthy. He was active. You know, he seemed much more locked in defensively, had a lot of block shots, but also, you know, wasn't getting run all over the court. And, you know, whereas Xavier Johnson is just always going, his team, like we like we mentioned, you know, his teammates don't always follow him. He's always going at one speed, but his teammates sometimes aren't. When Trace plays with the energy that he played with at the start of the game tonight, you can almost guarantee that everyone else is going to follow him. That's, you know, the burden of being the best player. Um, and we've seen that sometimes when he doesn't have that energy or if he's bothered by an injury, it can really take its toll on the team because he's such a tone setter offensively since they're going into him constantly. And, you know, what he does as a rim protector makes such a big, he has such a big impact on creating transition opportunities with the way that he plays defense. And so, you know, for as much as, you know, really all the guys should be lauded for how they came out tonight. I thought Trace's energy and focus was the most impactful because we've just seen what that can mean to this team. Yeah, I, I do feel like that's a theme we even talked about last year when when things would kind of get down that uh, it, it seemed like a, a a tangible difference when he was really locked in and really playing with that energy. And I think being able to get him started early with the basket, I think uh, he struggled a bit in the first game with Penn State. I think you know the Harar or Hare, however you say it, is like a guy who the kind of guy that gives him trouble. And so I think he he was able to make things difficult for him in the first game. So I think being able to come out, get a bucket on that very first possession, get a block, get engaged uh, on the first couple of plays. You know, race comes down, and hits a three right after that, and and things are rolling from there. Um, but I do think you know to your point, you know, I thought he did a better job when it mattered. Um, defensively and, and with some of the energy being able to, to get to the, uh, you know, get to loose balls, get to rebounds uh, and things like that. And then obviously had some highlight reel lobs uh, at various points in the game and, uh, and, you know, shot the ball from the free throw line pretty well uh, too. So solid bounce back game for him. Not, 
you know, not not the same level of competition as what he faced before, but uh, against a guy that he had not, uh, you know, not played all that well against the the last time they played, at least as my memory serves, um, a good uh, good way for him to come out. Yeah. Coach, do you have anything on Trace real quick? Yeah, you know, he, he does have uh, an energy that's easy to, to determine. It's when he's going like tonight, man, everyone goes. And then there's nights. But also, the last couple games, uh, he had that fall um, at, at, you know, that he had to deal with. So, you know, maybe he's now back uh, 100%. You know, he didn't play a whole lot in the Purdue game, and you wondered if that was lingering. And then the Michigan game was not a, a great energy level for him. It, it's sometimes hard, A, as you said, when you're the top dog all the time to to bring it every single game to the level that you need. And then when you're battling a, a hip injury like that from a hard fall, you're just trying to grind it out a little bit. And, and so maybe that energy level juice is not there. So maybe he's 100% back after that tough fall at Nebraska, but, you know, just enjoy, enjoy him while he's here. That, that alley-oop where he, you know, I think his head was above the backboard and the ball went 360 around the rim. That was an amazing, amazing play. Enjoy, enjoy Trace Jackson Davis while he's here because it's just a special, special basketball player. And hopefully there's more energy than games without energy down the stretch. Cause we, we just need him because it makes everyone else better. Well, and the other thing tonight, he ended up with four assists. I think most all those were on three-pointers where he was able to kick it out of the post. I thought he made good decisions in that regard, but your decisions look a lot better when the guys on the receiving end of the pass make shots. So, um, But, you know, a, a, another good stat for him. He had four assists and four, four blocks. Mm-hmm. Hey, stuff and things, watch yourself. This, this, uh, this show does not accept slander of just settles, okay? So just careful there in the chat. We support we support Just Settles. He supports us. Um, so some other moments that really stood out to me, Coach, involved Jordan Geronimo. Um, you know, there were a couple good ones in the first half. I thought, you know, there was a stretch there where Penn State switched to a zone. And Jordan's really struggled in the zone. But he seems to be getting more comfortable kind of playing in that high post area. You know, he got it on the elbow, turned. There was like a slight hesitation, but he still went right up with the shot and made it. Which, if he can do... You know, he and Race really become a tough combo in zone offense because they can both make that little elbow jumper, which kind of makes them interchangeable. And so if they're active and they're more confident, and I think that's one thing we've seen from the two of them, felt like early in the season, they were very slow to make decisions in zone offense. And tonight I thought they were, you know, quicker. And again, just the ability to make that shot opens up so many things from a zone offense perspective. And then, you know, it was really a tale of two halves for him defensively. I think everybody noticed the play in the first half where he helps down on the guy in the post and then recovers out to the three-point shooter and leaps in the air, you know, and and gets the block shot, just showing off his crazy athleticism. Then in the second half, he overhelps off of Miles Dredd, can't get out there. Miles Dredd makes the three. Mike Woodson takes a timeout and just tears into Jordan Geronimo. Which was actually kind of nice to see. You know, I, I kind of like seeing that intensity from Mike Woodson up that much, not wanting to lose the details. But it was just, you saw from Jordan Geronimo some of the skill development you want to see. You saw just the breathtaking athleticism. And then there in the second half, you saw perhaps the reason why he's not playing more minutes, which is just, he's got to be able to stay focused for longer and eliminate some of those mistakes. Yeah, I thought he was really good um, the last couple of games we've seen him, and he's, he's coming along too, so there's another player that's developing. But when you're in zone offense and you catch it at the high post, it's a real quick 
look for a high low or it's a quick shot. Geronimo got in trouble with that Syracuse game. A, they were had long hands. I thought he tried to to pass uh, too soft uh, and maybe even take a dribble inside the zone, and that's that's dangerous. So he's learned there that I'm either going to catch and pass it inside or kick it out, or I'm going to turn and shoot. And he's got that nice jumper. Uh, he has a nice three ball too, which again, from the four stretches the floor and gives defenses another offensive player that they have to uh, pay attention to defensively. I think he's pretty solid on the ball. Uh, obviously he can rebound and, and block shots. And we saw that tonight today, a, you don't leave a shooter and B you don't lose, leave a shooter in the corner. Uh, m- most, most teams and coaches nowadays in, in all areas don't leave, don't help from the corner. And, and it's, it's just, it's, it's weird because that guy's driving to the basket. Yeah, we want him to take a contested two over our shot blocker with the three-point guy guarded. We don't want to come off him and stop the drive and kick for that dread hitting that three. And and I think it might have been the first or second three, but then they got on a run, it seemed like, right after that. Or maybe that was the middle of the run when um, they just went three crazy for a while in the, in that second half. And you don't want people to get comfortable. You know, you, you make a bad decision defensively and someone pops a three, you make a bad defense uh, offense and they get a home run play for a dunk. Those are things that can create runs. Obviously, the runs didn't hurt us tonight. But, yeah, John Geronimo looked a little, a little lost there at the timeout when the cameras focused on him after he got he got yelled at. Um, he, he looked like he needed a dog to pet or or, or mom or someone there. He, he kind of got it kind of hard. Yeah, but, but he'll bounce back. I think that was a good thing. I think it, it obviously didn't get the team to play defense because they continued to play, you know, up 28 defense. I'm not going to say they played bad defense because they played great defense in the first half. Then they just played, you know, noon pickup ball defense because you're up 28, uh, which is not acceptable, but is totally understandable. Coaches will rip them in film and all of that. And the players will roll their eyes in the bag. Like coach, we played great defense. We were up 28. We're hearing you, but they, you know, it happens. It happens quite a bit. But Geronimo learned a lesson, and he is going to be valuable this year. A really a nice piece as some people move on from graduating. Uh, I really like him. I'd like to see him get a few more minutes, uh, but I thought the bench minutes were okay tonight, to be honest with you, um, for the most part. Also, you know, Andy, other meaningful moment, you know, Coach, you talked about, you know, I mean, Jordan Geronimo looked a little shell-shocked at the butt-chewing he got there from Mike Woodson, but who was right there to pick him up and put his arm around him? Anthony Leal. You know, and I know he's not getting a whole lot of minutes, but I, like I swear, watching the games, you notice like one or two Anthony Leal moments of being a great bench guy, of you know being up and picking up a teammate, being ex- you know leading the excitement on the bench, and for a program Andy that has struggled with enthusiasm for basketball, you know, like which should be the most fundamental thing of all, like seeing that from the bench, like that stuff matters. You know, and I talked about that with Tamar on the inside scoop, like they those guys that are coming off the bench, like they've talked with each other about having a good attitude on the bench and what can they do to lift up the guys who are playing more, you know, and you see it in just little stuff like Anthony Leal being over there, put his arm around. I'm pretty sure he and Jordan Geronimo room together, I think. You know, and that that stuff matters. It's little stuff, but it just shows a team that's together and connected. And, you know, that's the kind of team that can bounce back. You're going to have bad days like the Michigan game. But I think when you're together and you love playing and you love playing together, you're going to see a bounce back performance like you did tonight. Yeah, I think with with Geronimo, you, you've seen a little bit. I think um, Coach Adrani pointed this out in one of the 
the film rooms where you can tell the Geronimo is a guy who's been like drilled on certain things. And so that was, you brought up the zone where, you know, early in zone possessions in the year, he would turn, look for that diagonal pass and just kind of almost blindly throw it. Cause that's what he'd been told to do. But I think the difference that you've seen in some of these other games is now he's doing exactly what coach said. He's turning and facing, trying to figure out what play there is to be made. And I think, um, to a certain extent, he he's gotten himself into a pretty good spot on on the offensive side of things, where I think he's a little bit more in the flow. And I think defensively, um, you know, sometimes he gets lost off the ball uh, with things like that. I think that's what you saw there. He his his instinct is to help. In that scenario, you're willing to give up the two. You got Penn State's best shooter, or at the very least, a guy who's who shoots ninety percent of his shots in three point range out there that you just can't be 18 feet off of in that scenario where you're never going to be able to to recover out to him so you know hopefully a good teaching moment for him because you know he he's an integral piece somebody is going to get you know race thompson is going to get in foul trouble at some point you're going to need minutes from geronimo and he stepped up in some of those scenarios earlier this year i think the st john's game was, was a good example of that you know he gets a great opportunity and really took advantage of it so i think if you can get him to show the same level of improvement in season defensively as what it feels like he's done on the offensive end. Uh, that's a pretty huge development uh, for the, you know, the depth of the team and you know, everybody clamoring to play and myself included uh, to be able to play the bench guys a little bit more. I think him playing well defensively can earn, is a way that he can earn some more minutes and hopefully give other guys uh, some rest. We have breaking Twitter news. Uh, as Jess Settles has once again mentioned the assembly call as our buddy chat mob chab Chat mob Chad asked, I missed it, what was said? And Jess Settles respond, responded that my secret source for Indiana basketball is assembly call. Don't tell anyone. So Jess Settles just continuing to butter us up so that we will continue to praise him for all the good work that he does. No, Jess Settles is great. Did you guys realize he never played against Calvert Chaney? For some reason, I had it in my head that those two were contemporaries. But he actually came to Iowa the year after Calvert Chaney. I didn't realize that. Uh, anyway, that is neither here nor there, but a meaningful moment nonetheless, which is why we promote it in this segment. Um, let's go to the numbers. Uh, inside the numbers, the segment sponsored by the Power Rank, where our friend Ed uses data and analytics to make accurate football and college basketball predictions. He also writes an incredible March Madness guide every year, and we're going to have a special offer for you on that once March rolls around. And this was another important victory for Indiana as they continue to build an NCAA tournament resume. Uh, for now, while we wait for March Madness, if you want sports betting advice with a PhD edge, especially for the rest of the NFL playoff games, or if you just like understanding sports at a more analytical level, you should subscribe to Ed's free newsletter. Go to thepowerrank.com slash AC to subscribe. That's thepowerrank.com slash AC. All right. Uh, let's dissect the numbers that tell the story of the game. And a couple numbers that jump out real quick to me. Uh, one of them is seven. And that is the number of minutes that Rob Finnessy played. Uh, you know, we're all, I think, a little bit worried about what that injury may be, what Rob's future availability may be. Uh, and I want to say, you know, it may not be a total coincidence that our defense lapsed a little bit without Rob. I thought tonight in the first half for the seven minutes he was out there was some of the like some of the best vintage Rob Finnessy defense that we've seen. And there was one, uh, you know, one sequence that they, you know, made a point of, of showing again on the broadcast where he, you know, goes for a steal and misses it, hustles back into the play, you know, helps off his man, get, you know, and then recovers back, then gets the rebound, leads the break the other way. He was just, I mean, Penn State guys, Andy, couldn't do anything against him. 
Um, you know, and so that's something that where, you know, maybe if he can get more minutes, uh, you know, there in the second half, that helps to tighten up the defense because look for as limited as he is offensively. And, you know, we all, we know the numbers, we know his struggles offensively when he's locked in defensively, like he is tonight, he's a difference maker, a big time difference maker. Um, so that was, you know, obviously disappointing to see, and we just hope for the best for him. Um, you know, that whatever this injury is, isn't, uh, isn't something that's going to keep him out for too long. Um, so that he can have a good a good finish here down the stretch of his career. Yeah, I mean, like I said uh, earlier, any time there's a essentially a non-contact injury, you don't feel great. But we'll uh, certainly hope for the best for him. And I agree with what you said. I, I think defensively, he was really locked in, beating guys to the spot they were trying to get to, uh, bring the ball up the court, and you know, wasn't hadn't really found his shot back since that Purdue game. But I think was. Um, continuing to uh, to show some of the same confidence, at least in, in taking some shots and trying to get to the basket a little bit there. So um, we'll hope for the best for him. I thought, you, you know, uh, one one of the things that, that I saw was trying to, it felt like the second half, they really made a concerted effort coming out of the locker room to get Miller Cop some shots. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he had six shot attempts after having, I think, just two in each of the last couple games, uh, if that. And so I think... Um, you know, he, he was able to hit it. I think he hit a three in the, in the, uh, in that half and made a layup. I think that was toward the end of the, the first half perhaps, but, uh, you know, I thought it was good that they were making that effort. I felt like they were trying to get him going a little bit. Um, just as you start thinking about, you know, if Rob's out for a while, doesn't provide a ton of offense, but there's more shots to go around, some different things that you got to try to do. They're not a position for position thing by any means, but, uh, I thought they did try to utilize the, at least my impression was they try to utilize the the margin of the second half to really you know force the the ball to Miller a little bit to get him some uh, opportunities. But I know Jess Settle talked about him being a little bit hesitant at times um, to do that and 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 those kinds of things. So that was something else I noticed just from a, a shot volume standpoint. Um, the three point shooting is the you know huge number that everybody wishes uh, IU could replicate somehow game yeah. <laughs> game after game. But uh, uh, we'll we'll see if that can uh, hold true. Well, you know, this is a game where it's going to be interesting to see the shot quality data. Um, you know, shot quality is an interesting stat where they, you know, assess the quality of a shot independent of whether it goes in. So what are the, you know, what's the expected point from a shot based on, you know, how likely a general player is to make that shot and then that particular player, kind of his historical uh, averages. And even though Indiana got blasted by Michigan, the shot quality data actually predicted an Indiana win just based on the shots that went in. And if you expected them, you know, or the shots that the two teams took, did you, you know, if you expected them to go in, the the data said that Indiana would actually win that game, which with our eye test, there's a lot more context that you need there. They were comfortable, you know, and there's, there's a lot that goes into whether you make or miss a shot. And Penn State's probably feeling a little bit of that too. It's like Indiana went 10 of 13 from three point range, really, you know, but I mean, I thought coach offensively, you know, there's a lot in that number. There was a lot of ball movement. A lot of those shots were wide open and in rhythm, um, you know, and those first couple go down, other guys get confidence, you know, and so it's never just as easy as, oh, that was just random variance that was on our side. You know, Indiana was focused and it's the same thing with Michigan. Like sometimes there's a reason why those shots go in when maybe they haven't, you know, in the past, the offense, the focus, all those things came together tonight, I thought for Indiana. Yeah, I, I thought there was a lot more movement tonight, purposeful movement uh, of the ball and purposeful movement of players. Um, before it, it was fifteen to two, and, and there were, you know, on a wing, a, a wing exchange. Uh, I mentioned earlier some pin screens, some floppy action, 
UCLA action back screening the point guard through into the ball screen. So they were still going into ball screens, but they were moving people. And then uh, I've said this on air before, too. I really enjoy one more passing uh, when when the ball gets kicked out and it gets thrown to the wing and, and there's a good shot, but they one more it to the corner for a great shot. And yeah. really, a guy like Parker Stewart has three points tonight. He got one pass that he hit. I, I think he actually got a kick out. Uh, on a double team from Trace for his three, but he was involved with two one more passes where I wouldn't have minded him taking the shot, but he passed for a better shot. And Tamar hit one, uh, I think, and 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 Miller Cop hit one too off of uh, Parker's passes. I think I don't know if they, he got credit for the assists or not in there. I think the I think the Cop one is the one that he had in the corner that rimmed out, but it was the okay. same thing. I. I know so, which, exactly which player you're talking Stewart about. did have two assists uh, on the night in the official uh, scorebook. So, but the one more passing. So to me, Indiana was unselfish when, when they moved with purpose. You saw a little more fast break, a little more pace, but you saw pace in the half court as well. It wasn't just come down, call for the ball screen up top, and stand your wings in the corner. There was some we call it sometimes false motion where you move the defense, and the, in order for the defense to help. They're at different spots. They're not set and, and understand clearly what their defensive rotations are going to be. They, you know, even if it's that little dribble weave that really does nothing, but it moves the defenders and it gives them a chance to mess up. But I thought I thought that was um, uh, an important part of, of the offensive efficiency tonight. And, and then the numbers, too, as far as bracketology goes, 1.219 something offense versus 0.9. You know, that difference still is going to move. Uh, I don't, I can't say it. The move, the needle, uh, not the noodle. Move the noodle, uh, just, coach. Move the noodle. It's just not, not something I, I'm used to saying. But anyway, move the noodle. That'll that'll help uh, move Indiana off that 42 mark up into the 30s at least uh, a, a little bit, despite the 17 points. I mean, if they could have kept the 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 percentages, those efficiencies at halftime, that really w- would have helped. But those are things that I look at now too. Is that final those offensive points per possession and defensive points per possession really help um, build, build those those metrics. And one last number, guys, is Tabar Bates, 15 minutes. I, I think that's got to be steady, 15 to 20 minutes. He's an athlete. He's a scorer. He had six points tonight. I think his minutes, and then I know there was some conversation about maybe Indiana got tired at the end. I thought if you really look at the minutes, the breakdown of the minutes, it's more where they need to be. Xavier, 32, uh, 33 for Trace Jackson Davis. Those are game, Those are minutes where your studs get in the low 30s and your bench comes in. They, they played eight guys, double-digit minutes. It would have been nine if Finnessy was in there. That's good minutes. It's still concerned with when they come in and how they come in. And, of course, Durr will get back in there some too. But I thought it was really good distribution of minutes uh, tonight from Coach Woodson. Yeah, and on Tamar, you know, the other number is he was plus 14 tonight. <laughs> which normally wouldn't be that notable, but for anybody who has dug into the lineup data, it's really interesting that when you look at what are the best performing lineups, they're all the ones with Tamar in them. And that doesn't necessarily match the eye test, you know, because he has struggled. But Indiana, just based on the data, has played better with him on the court, you know, for for whatever reason. And I think he, him, Andy, you know, getting better and improving, becoming a more consistent offensive force. You know, he made two threes tonight, got his swagger back a little bit. You know, he's looking more confident. He is probably, of all the guys on the roster, has the ability to raise the ceiling the most 
Because if he becomes that dynamic offensive threat that we still believe that he can be with an inside game and outside game, you know, right now, you know, right now he's basically a catch and shoot guy because every dribble he takes is kind of is horizontal and hesitant, you know, and he's got to get back to being a little bit more confident dribbling into the teeth of the defense. But I think as he starts making shots and gets more playing time and gets comfortable out there, that'll come. But Indiana has played well with him on the court. And now if he can just get more comfortable, it's it's really important for this team as we head into February. Yeah, I, certainly for a guy who had struggled a little bit from a shooting perspective to see those two shots go in is is huge. But I think you're seeing his defense get a little bit better. And tonight when Durr didn't play, uh, apparently coach's decision is what it is. Didn't seem injury related, at least based on what, um, you know, seems like has been said. There wasn't ever a time that that Bates was out there without at least one of the starters and at mm -hmm. times multiple. And that was one of the things that we've talked about. And I think even as you had put, whether it was on on Twitter or in the community or or both, you know, the lineups that he was in that were successful wasn't what wasn't the five bench guy lineup. It was right. him sprinkled in with some of the other guys, as we've discussed. So tonight, by virtue of that coach's decision, that that happened naturally. Um, but I do think you see that where, again, he's not out there as as the guy that everybody kind of, you know, I felt like he was getting hung out to dry a lot with the ball in his hands toward the end of the shot clock or different scenarios when they were out with the five bench guys. And I think the return of Galloway has helped a little bit to bring a little bit more playmaking to that group as well, even when they are in there, uh, when the lineup is weighed a little bit heavier toward the bench guys where you've got somebody else to be able to make plays um, there. But, yeah, hopefully this is a, a, a real game for him to build off of because I think he's had um, – you know, a few solid forms, even the Purdue game, you know, came in, gave some good minutes, gave some energy, didn't play in the second half. I don't think that was based on anything he did wrong in the first half. But uh, so I think he's starting to string together some some better performances. Um, and hopefully, like I said, the, the threes going down is a good confidence boost for him going forward. Andy, the one lineup where a race was playing the five with Geronimo was an interesting lineup, and I think you can only get away with that against certain matchups and maybe certain teams, to be honest with you. But, boy, there were a couple offensive possessions, and I think Tamar was in there, where they really moved. I mean, um, you know, it wasn't a set play. It was just pass, cut through, you know, screen away, cut away, and and then race ran into a ball screen. I, and that that was really good uh, – movement of people and i'm not saying you can't do that i think they also did that a little bit with uh, tjd i'm a big michael durr fan i think he needs to come in against the bigger guys and give tjd some minutes but i also think staggering and leaving race and tjd out there so those other guys the bench guys can come in and play with some of those guys that are really really um top of the scouting report for the defense helps them puts them in better position uh, to maximize their skills and what they bring to this team as well yeah it'd be interesting to see to your point I, I do think lineups like that are tricky given some of the big men in the big 10 but right. against the maryland who plays you know a lot of smaller guys they do have wahab inside but not you know they're not pounding the ball inside to him repeatedly like something like that could could work now again maybe durs back and they do things differently but um yeah i think you're i think you're right that's situational as much as anything but um but i think you could conceivably see something like that work on Saturday. Uh, updated Ken Palm numbers, Indiana now 32nd, uh, 71st overall in adjusted offensive efficiency, 19th in adjusted defensive efficiency. Uh, the raw numbers in Big Ten play, Indiana ninth in offense, third in defense. And the Hoosiers free throw defense, 
continues to be dead last in the Big Ten at 77.6%. So you got to expect a little bit of some positive regression there for Indiana as maybe teams don't hit nearly 78% of their free throws. Got to work on that in practice. Definitely have to work on that. Got to work on our psychouts, like in basketball. Let's go, guys. Come on. <laughs> Um, <laughs> all right. Coming up on the assembly call in our final segment, we are going to hand out our game balls and our Hoosier Hustle Award. And then we will talk about lingering questions uh, coming out of this game and more. That's all next. You're on the assembly call. Stick with us. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Romeo Langford, what's the only thing better than hand a game winner to beat Wisconsin? Celebrate it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosers. Thank you, Romeo. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game and every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. And make sure that you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. There are almost 10,000 IU fans on that list, and you can join for free at join.assemblycall.com. That's join.assemblycall.com. All right, guys, it is time for game balls. A few different directions I think would be reasonable to uh, to go with a game ball today. Coach, who gets your game ball? Xavier Johnson um, gets mine. I, and there are you know two or three, I think, outstanding choices for this, but... Uh, what 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 a game set the tone early with with some shot making but again his intensity on, on both ends i thought again was a reason indiana jumps out uh, to to the lead and, and his ability you know six assists you know his assist numbers are pretty solid lately too uh, that's a sign of him uh, not playing that hero ball that that people were worried about uh, I, I just think his energy uh, is is fantastic but tonight his performance he got i think four rebounds as well tonight that's important from the guards to to gang rebound. Uh, Indiana gave up a lot of offensive rebounds against Michigan, so uh, for for me, nineteen points uh, that that effort tonight deserves a game ball. Yeah, Andy, who gets your game ball? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna make you pick because uh, I think there's two choices. Uh, I was gonna go with race anyway. I'm not doing that just to just to spite you. Um, but I think with you know what we talked about with him, I just thought it was a particularly in the first half for race. He's got 11 points on five of seven shooting in the first half. Um, grabbed a few rebounds in that stretch as well. Had a block and a steal. I just thought a really good all around performance from him. Um, I have no uh, 
no issues whatsoever with X being the the guy as well. But uh, just thought it was a really strong game from race and and one that uh, you know as we talked about earlier, good to see him step out and make some shots and the things that that could potentially uh, unlock for the team. But I thought uh, I thought he was terrific. Yeah, he was. Uh, and we certainly know that Ryan, if he were here, would give his game ball to race. I would probably go with X just slightly uh, because of what he did from an assist perspective, um, you know, and because, you know, you're really, again, you're seeing him kind of modulate his shot selection a little bit. You know, he's taking fewer of the, you know, just kind of two pointers that kind of make you slap your head a little bit. You know, he's being much more reserved and his ability to get that ball moving uh, is really helpful. So I'm going to give him the slight edge. And he just, you know, I think over the last three games, you know, 17 points per game, four and a half assists, four and a half rebounds, two steals. I mean, he's just, he's really coming around and has become, you know, one of the better lead guards uh, in the Big Ten, which is huge for this Indiana team. So congratulations to X on getting a game ball. And now it is time for... Sponsored by our friends at Evansville Security Services, based in the hometown of IU legend Calvert Cheney, Evansville Security Services provides off-duty police officers to businesses and individuals throughout Indiana. Remember, prevention cannot be measured, so let Evansville Security Services help you prevent a bad outcome today. Go to EvansvilleSecurityServices.com to learn more. That's EvansvilleSecurityServices.com. All right, Andy, you go first. Who's your hustle award? Well, I had intended to go with Xavier Johnson here, but uh, I, I guess I will still do that because I did not use him for my other. But um, I, we obviously know that he can't get it. But I, I mean, I agree. He was the other guy. I mean, he was he was everywhere. I think there was a, a a sequence that I had marked down for potential meaningful moment where he blocks a shot on one end, Trace gets a rebound, kicks it to him, he dribbles yes. length of the floor and gets a layup. Um, I think that was a a pretty good hustle sequence there. So I think the the variety of things he did. I'll, uh, I'll give it to him you know, since I didn't give my game ball to him and then uh, see what you guys do with the other. But uh, yeah, I, I just thought he made a ton of great hustle plays. It was the charge that he took on um, Lundy. I believe that he kind of like bullied his way through Parker Stewart. And then yeah. uh, X was just waiting on him to, to get the charge as well. And nice, uh, nice point from the, from his, his back to show which way the uh, possession was going after that. So uh, I'll, I'll give him some uh, additional kudos here. It's really nice this year. Like, it feels like, you know, the game ball is a little bit up and down, but it feels like there's always a few good candidates for Hoosier Hustle. It's like, you can always go with X. You know, Race is always playing hard. You know, Galloway is always playing hard. That's nice because it hasn't always been that way. So, yeah, X is a great choice for uh, for Hoosier Hustle. Coach, who gets your Hoosier Hustle award? You know, I, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to surprise some people uh, with this, but I'm going to go Trace Jackson Davis. Uh, mm. Four blocks, uh, wow. four assists, six rebounds, and really – uh, on, on, not on the stat, his ball screen defense, which I thought his ball screen defense was bad at Michigan. He was spot on today that those guards uh, were, he was staying with the guards when he needed to. He was sprinting back uh, off of the ball screen defense to pick up the post player on the roll. Um, and then anytime you can elevate like on that semi dunk, it wasn't a clear dunk. The ball rolled around the rim, but, the, but anytime you can get up, it takes a lot of uh, hustle and energy to do that. But we mentioned it earlier today. When he brings the intensity and the energy, the team seems to follow. Right off the bat, post-feed, went hard, no hesitation, and it set the tone for tonight. And I thought defensively, 
it set the tone and really knocked Penn State backwards. And so I think he was a big part of why Indiana was able to dominate in the first half and then roll to the to the win in the second half. He he really struggled on ball screen coverage in the first Penn State game too. Um, right. So definitely some improvement there. I think struggled with some of the same components of it as he did in Michigan, which is kind of getting caught in no man's land where he didn't really cut off the dribbler but didn't do anything to, to stop the roller either. So I, I agree with you on that, that he um, definitely showed some game-to-game improvement there. Yeah, I'm going to give mine to Trace uh, for a lot of the reasons, Coach, that you said, and I just thought he was such a tone setter. And I, I just I thought every time I looked up at him, especially in the first half, he was just playing hard and playing with energy defensively. You know, and, and sometimes it does feel, you know, he carries a heavy burden offensively and he's got to be there as a rim protector. And it does feel like sometimes, not that he takes plays off, but it does feel like he you know, in some other defensive moments kind of paces himself a little bit. And it's not, I didn't think he was pacing himself. I thought he was just going all out at all times. Um, you know, maybe again, part of that may just be him being healthy. Um, and you know, just that he's, he can be a little bit up and down game to game, but as he gets older, he's smoothing that out some. Um, and so I thought we, you know, we saw his impact, but I do want to toss out a few honorable mention notes. Uh, one is to Rob Finnessy, who in his seven minutes, I thought played as hard on defense as we've ever seen him. And he's played hard on defense a lot, but this was right up there with his best defensive performances. I mean, I thought Miller Cott played really hard tonight. You know, his offense is a cause for consternation and we want to see him get more shots, but he's become like a deflection machine. You know, he's getting in passing lanes. He's getting better at, you know, kind of using angles and keeping guys in front of him. Uh, you know, I know Ryan, you know, texted earlier in the game that, you know, that he's really improved defensively and he has. I wouldn't say he's a good defender yet, but he's better. He's passable. Coach just he coach is not a fan of cops defense. But I thought he played but I think I thought he played harder. And he made he was disruptive defensively tonight. Here, here's something, Jared, that coach is doing really, really well with Miller Cop. They're putting him on a chase defense. Uh, which means you lock down on a shooter and you chase him off screens and stay with him because he struggles off the ball in recovery and he struggles when someone catches the ball. So you're absolutely right. What they're asking him to do, he's doing a lot better, which is just lock down. He he was on um, what's his name from Purdue? The oh, I can't think of his name now. Stefanovic. Uh, Sasha Stefanovic. Yeah, Sasha. Yeah. And he was just chasing them off ball screens, chasing them off, curling off off screens. Miller Cop can do that. The other thing Miller Cop does well is he he stays in the fight. And that's where your deflections come and, and he blocks shots and all of those. But he, he gets isolated a lot and, and driven a lot. But credit to Coach Woodson and staff for putting him in position uh, to be better defensively because it, it minimizes a little bit of what he has to do uh, and they're putting him in better positions. I think that that's a good move. Are you suggesting that decisions Mike Woodson is making in-game are actually working? Well, that probably was done before the game. Interesting. That was probably done before the game. We'll just leave it that tonight's a happy night. All I hear, all I seem no, to tonight, hear about are the decisions night. that aren't working. <laughs> <laughs> There's a um, difference between preparation and end game. We'll just we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> tonight's a happy night. Um, <laughs> that's funny. Okay, so let's talk lingering questions coming out of this game. Uh, I think the number one lingering question, obviously, is how's Rob Finnessy? Well, we don't know, so let's just wait and see. Let's hope for the best. Um, but if he is out for any extended period of time, then the major lingering question is what, did, what does Indiana do at, as your backup ball handler? I think, you know, Andy, the obvious first option is Xavier. 
Stay out of foul trouble and play as many minutes as you can handle. Fortunately, he is a very well-conditioned athlete who seems to be able to play hard for as many minutes as he's on the court. So I think you'll basically just see Woodson ride him as much as possible. But he probably will get in foul trouble. And there are times when X needs to sit for a few minutes and calm down or get some coaching. And so what does Indiana do after that? Well, the obvious next option would be Christian Lander. And, you know, it, it's weird. You know, they asked Coach Woodson in the post game you know, why didn't Lander play? And he basically said he wasn't available, made a note of saying that it's physical, you know, so that there's something physical going on. But, you know, at least all of the media people who were there and kind of watch before the game say that he's warming up as normal. You know, I saw, you know, his mom tweeted right after the game, please don't count him out. We believe in you, which seems like an odd thing to say if he's not playing because he's injured or unavailable. So, I'm just saying something about that doesn't add up to me. You know, as Ryan mentioned in the text, like, is it possible that he's going to redshirt? I don't know. Like, it just seems very up in the air. But for him to not play at all tonight, it makes you wonder if that's even a reasonable option as your backup. So we're just going to have to wait and see there. But if you don't have that as your backup option, then, you know, what do you do? Do you, you know, play Trey Galloway and Tamar Bates together, both guys who can handle it a little bit and are going to make, you know, those two guys in lineups when those two guys play together, Indiana's defense is holding opponents to 0.79 points per possession. You know, so you're better defensively, but obviously you give up, you know, something on the other end. So I don't think right now there doesn't look to be a great answer. And it's not that Rob is a great answer offensively, but at least you know what you're going to get from him defensively, and he can occasionally do what he did against Purdue. So there's not a great answer, but it just feels like there's a whole lot of lingering questions as far as that position goes as we exit this game. Yeah, I mean, I think I think options A and B are both the X don't get in foul trouble <laughs> and then see how long you can play. X playing um, 40 minutes. As we move to option C, then, um, I... The the lander stuff is interesting. I, I think if you if it truly is where he's banged up a little bit, putting him in and risking potential aggravation of it, knowing that you may not have fantasy, putting him in to risk potential aggravation in a game that you're winning handily, on some level doesn't make a ton of sense. Um now the flip side of that is he hasn't played in a long time and you need to get him some minutes to get him prepared. But you know, again, I it's hard to tell. You kind of kind of take him at face value and say that it was really physical and that he wasn't there because he went out of his way. It seemed like in the stuff that I read to say that Dur was a coach's decision and it wasn't an injury. So um, I, I, I'm not sure why it would make sense for him to to parse those words differently if he really didn't mean what he was saying. Um, but I guess, I mean, until he's back and 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 is physically available, it feels like it would probably be Galloway. Um, yeah. that you'd let at least initiate the offense for, um, you know, periods of time. I just think that the amount of rest that X is going to get, if he's going to, you know, is going to come in smaller spurts. And then I think that whole notion of, of surrounding and intermingling the bench guys with the starters becomes all that much more important that you don't want to put a guy who's not used to playing point guard out there with all the backups and then be like, and kind of put additional burden on them without having the same level of, offense and and skill players with them so i guess that would be you know my inclination i think if you know like like you said the lander stuff is a little bit odd but i'm taking woodson at his at his word and that he's not healthy so i think in the near term it probably is galloway but i would would assume 
long-term, Lander needs to be at least a part of that mix and given a chance to play. Now, if he goes out there and turns the ball over a bunch, as he's done at times, or, or really struggles defensively, then I think it becomes not a not an injury thing and just a, I'm not sure that you give us a great chance to win thing. Um, and you know maybe that settles the debate within the fan base about what his, his role is, but somehow I doubt that it'll do that. Yeah. By the way, I you think can, a guy can still redshirt if he's played less than 30% of the season. So I, I think he could still technically redshirt. I, I, and Megan I just thought put that, that was in after... There. I thought is that, was, is that only if it's an injury, though? I thought if it was that was only if it was injury. I don't think it's like mm. football where they have now, you can play up to a certain amount of games and then you can still redshirt. But okay, I, maybe I, that's I mean, only they, for injury. They, they could have changed in basketball, but I thought that number was injury-related. I, I, think, I think you might be right. I think you might be right. Now, if you attribute this to injury and he doesn't play the rest of the season... And he's truly heard that maybe you still have that option, but I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know that to be the case. But I know they've changed the rules in football. I just don't think they have in basketball. Yeah. So there's a there's a couple things uh, with Lander. One, he he could be over the injury and just working his way back into uh, basketball shape. If part of his uh, rehabilitation from the injury is only going ten percent, twenty percent, thirty percent of practice or whatever, uh, maybe that's what was meant by saying you couldn't put him back in. Maybe medically he's not ready due to risking a, an additional injury. So that's stuff that we we just we just don't know. What I think is it to keep the ball screen offense going, I think it'll be Trey Galloway because he's one who can come off the ball screen and drive. Uh, you've seen Parker Stewart bring the ball up some. There's there's a ton of options tomorrow. But I also would see if he digs into his bag of offensive things where there's some different set plays rather than the high ball screen when you know Rob could still run that. Uh, I think Lander can still run that if and when he's ready to play. Uh, but uh, Trey, to some extent, can still do that, but maybe there might have to be some alterations of of what to do uh, offensively because anyone can bring the ball up and enter and and enter a pass and then cut away and flare and do all those things. Any uh, you know any of those uh, your one or two guards and at times even bigs can bring the ball up uh, in certain situations. So that'll be something that he, the head coach and the coaching staff will have to put their mind together and, and decide: a) how many minutes are they going to give X rest, and then what kind of stuff are they going to run uh, when when he's not there, and how much time in practice do you do you put into that? So, um, you know, Galloway had a tough night tonight turning the ball over. I think I think he at least had two, and there were some other yeah. other times. So so he's you know he's an energy guy. He plays great defense. He can he can get downhill, but at times he's a little loose with the basketball as well. Being you know in, only in a second year so those are stuff that that you know you get paid millions of dollars to figure out and, and it hurts us more defensively than it does offensively in, in my opinion I think I think yeah. you can make up for Rob missing I know he had the big game against Purdue but you can make up for him offensively what you can't do is then go the lineup that coach likes which was X Rob and Galloway for defensive purposes late in games that takes away that piece of the puzzle right there and and so if this uh, is is a long time injury. I think you're going to see the defense struggle more than the offense. Yeah, for what it's worth, you know, X on the season is committing 4.2 fouls per 40 minutes. The last three games, he's committed two, two, and no fouls, and he's played 32, 35, and 32 minutes. In the three games previous to that, he committed four fouls in each of them and was right around the 25 minute mark. So Indiana is not going to be able to survive very long with him doing that. He, you know, and you see it a lot. You know, you get toward the end of the season, benches shorten a little bit. The better players play more minutes. I think it was probably inevitable he would play more anyway. But he's going to have to. He's going to have to shoulder a heavy load uh, if Rob is out for a long period of time. Um, any other lingering? I, you know, the only other question I think, Coach, is 
you know, we saw the starters do better tonight. That was a big question coming in. Uh, and I think we all attribute it to just energy and focus. Um, but the other thing that we've wanted to see is, okay, well, if you're going to keep Cop and Stewart out there, let's use them more. And I think, as you said, you know, we saw them run some more stuff in the second half. They came out trying to, you know, get some more stuff for cops. So did you what did you see beyond just we were more focused and played harder that is possibly sustainable for unlocking the potential of our starting lineup? You know, we get caught up in in one game versus another game. I don't think today answers that question of the starting lineup. I, I think Coach Woodson's going to stick to it. He is a trust your player guy. Uh, and there's a lot of positives for that. Um, and, and he's not going to just bench uh, Miller Cop, Parker Stewart based on one game in Michigan after winning a big game there. The telltale statistic was Coach Adrania's going back over the last seven games and the first eight minutes before they subbed. That is just something that can't be ignored. Uh, and it's either gets fixed by better performance of those guys or a lineup change. And credit Coach Woodson. He believes in his guys. He wasn't going to change it. He's going to believe in them. Uh, but it had to be in the back of his mind that if if another bad performance or two or three, you know, good. And I think that's the right way to coach. You, you can't just one game you win, another game you lose, whatever. But the seven-game stretch of bad starts had to end one way or the other. So now you look at why. And I think it was a high-intense energy level. They were embarrassed by the Michigan performance. They wanted to pay Michigan State back. Woodson is really strong in protecting home court and probably laid into him really hard. And so you got that effort. The real telltale sign about the starting lineup is going to be Maryland. You know, heavy guard lineup. Can we guard all those questions that inside the hall and assembly call head that Jess Settles <laughs> mentioned? I think they're still there. One game doesn't settle it. Uh, and, and we get so caught up in the up and down nature of games. Um, th this team has, has got some great wins and played some great basketball. It's also had some duds. Um but the lingering question still is the lineup. Um, the substitution pattern is is still something. I thought it was a lot better tonight. And, and again, coaches improve throughout the season, and and players improve uh, around the season. And you know, we're we're in a nice position right now to make a run. Um, and we'll we'll see what happens. But Maryland game is really interesting. Interesting because their lack of uh, that one big has not been very productive for for Maryland uh, this year, and so. Um, you know, Fats Russell and, and all those guys um, on the perimeter, can we guard them with the starting lineup, I think? Uh, and, and are we continuing to do things movement-wise offensively when those shooters are in the game? It needs to continue at Maryland uh, for me to necessarily be off that, you know, do we need to change thing up track? You know, Andy, as we look ahead to that Maryland game, you know, a week ago, that looked like a pretty tasty matchup when Maryland was at one and six. And their last two games, they've beaten Illinois by 16 and then went to the rack where Rutgers doesn't lose very often and won by eight. So kind of like Michigan, it's possible we're catching them at a little bit of the wrong time as they're kind of streaking into this game a little bit. Um, what do you how are you kind of viewing this game as it approaches? Yeah, I had the same thought uh, earlier. To, to be honest with you, that it seemed like they were really reeling and uh, and they've they've gotten a little momentum. You know, part of that Illinois game, uh, Illinois is playing without uh, you know without Kofi in that game, and Curbelo did play a little bit, not a lot. Um, so you know, the, the absence of Kofi was was a pretty big uh, pretty big factor in that game. But yeah, you don't like to see uh, them getting a little confidence and um, extra day of rest before. Uh, before playing IU, if you look on balance, what they've done this year has not been particularly impressive. Um, 
so but they do have you know guys who have maybe not shot the ball as well as they have in other times you know i don't think eric ayala has played nearly as well as he did uh a year ago dante scott hasn't played as well as he did a year ago from a shooting perspective uh and then they're you know a little bit like iu in the sense that they're trying to integrate some of these pieces with russell and and wahab and um i think those have had had varied success as you go so i you know still as you look down the schedule for iu it, it feels like one of the more winnable road games that they have left um and and really just a chance for this team to try to get some momentum i think that's one of the big you, you know challenges or issues or, or frustrations that people have had is that it seems like they start to get things rolling uh and then take that step back so it's it's a chance to really build on that because you know from a schedule perspective you know, it, I use in a this really starts a rough patch of either tough games and or road games where you've got three of the next four on the road, um, and the the fourth of, of those games is at Michigan State. Then you come home to play Wisconsin, go at Ohio State. So the next, you know, six games for IU are all pretty tough um, for for one or more reasons as you look at that. And believe it or not, we're halfway through the Big Ten season. If you know, IU six and four. Uh, you got 10 Big Ten games left, and, and these next six are going to be really tough. So how many of those games can you find a way to win? Uh, how many road wins can you pick up, which helps you from a tournament perspective? Um, and when you look at the opponents, how they've played on balance for the course of the season, this is one of the more winnable road games that you can get. And I think if you're able to get that one, uh, gives you some good momentum coming back into that Illinois game at home, and, and maybe you'd start to get things rolling a little bit, but uh, I think everybody's probably keeping the team a little bit at arm's length in terms of uh, how much they really want to believe that they'll go out and do that at this point. But um, you know, it's uh, as, as Lisa said in the chat, winnable game. That phrase is starting to worry me. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you speak for all of us. Yes. Yes. But you know, you can feel a little bit better. You know, I think we would have been happy with any kind of win tonight because winning in the Big Ten is hard, you know, and for this program, we just, you know, we just need wins. Um, but to come out and get a 17-point win and really dominate 20 minutes, it's a good sign for this team. You know, a good sign that hopefully whatever happened in that Michigan game, you just leave it there and, you know, you get some positive momentum here going into Andy to what you said is a really tough stretch. But Indiana's got to win some of these games. You know, they're going to be tough ones. You probably got to win at least two or three out of these next six to kind of keep things on track and, and, you know, stay on track for your goals. So that is what, uh, that is what needs to happen. We will talk about some of that tomorrow on assembly call radio. And then Saturday we will have the post game show for you after the Maryland game. Uh, and remember to check out our friends at home field apparel, use the promo code home H O M E at checkout to get 15% off your first order. And guys, it is time for last call coach. Why don't you lead us off your final thoughts on this Indiana victory? Yeah, it's a nice victory, and, and it, you know you want to put a couple of these, you know, back to back to back instead of being roller coaster. But it's always good when you you have a disappointing effort and followed by not just a win, but a win that we were really pretty comfortable with. Okay, yeah, the second half didn't go the way we wanted it to, but it was really dominant, and it showed the the potential of this Indiana basketball team when it's focused and together and and doing things the right way. And if you do that, you're going to be in – and Indiana's been in every game except the Michigan game. And so that, you know, makes makes things a lot better than if you were to come out and, uh, you know, had to fight and claw and win one at, at, at the buzzer. So this was a good night. It, it was a great effort in the first half, followed by just some tough play when you're up 29 
it's, it, you know, it's just bound to come back towards you a little bit, but the final score, it was indicative in the, in the, the efficiency numbers, Indiana dominated tonight. They needed that after the Michigan game to just keep moving forward. The, the Maryland game, I think it's a, it's a really big win to get. If you lose it, it doesn't necessarily end the season. We, we got to kind of keep ourselves from going too high on a win and too low on a loss and everything washes out the previous one because every team in the big 10 is tough. Never, Michigan, we'll never do that coach. And then <laughs> Michigan just beat Northwestern by two and had to hang on uh, on a last second shot. I mean, everyone is good. There are good players, good coaches in this league and you just got to keep battling and, 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 you know, Indiana's in a pretty okay spot tournament wise and not comfortable yet, but there's a lot of teams behind them that, are, are a lot worse shape than, than Indiana. So a couple nice wins here and there, and I think you know we'll have a, a really good shot at Selection Sunday. So just keep going grinding. This is a good program. Uh, it, it's it's a lot of fun watching, and uh, we've only had one, one bad effort. But tonight was fun. Much needed. Yes, it was. Andy, last call. Uh, yeah, I'd really echo a lot of what Coach said. I, I think it was a good bounce back performance where he really played um, one of their best halves of basketball in in the first half, and it was a, a great response. And I think you could get a pretty good feel for the the focus that that Coach Woodson gave on level of effort that needs to be there at the you know at the start of some of these games. Now that has to become the pattern and not um, a continued lingering question to you know to kind of go back to what we were talking about before. So uh, all in all. Uh, I, I thought a really strong performance. I don't read too much into the second half. I think the margin had a lot to do with the way that IU played uh, when they needed to. And, um, you know, at this point, great opportunity to get a road win. If they can pick up a couple of road wins during this next next stretch, uh, whether it be, you know, Maryland, Northwestern, um, you know, a couple of the more winnable road games that you're going to get in the Big Ten um, there, uh, I think it helps a lot from a confidence perspective, certainly helps from a tournament resume perspective. Um, but I think this team uh, is one that really feeds on on confidence and and I don't think brings its own to games maybe as much as you'd like to. So you see tonight make some shots from the outside early and things really get rolling downhill, play really well defensively and do some of those things. And um, so I think hopefully the you know road wins can be the same thing and uh, we'll see how they respond and, and really hopefully, uh, you know, all the, all the best to Rob and whatever that situation is going to be. I'm sure we'll have more clarity uh, about it by the time Saturday rolls around and uh, see what happens from there. But uh, really, really tough to see him get injured in any way, even if it's a minor injury after not only just after the Purdue game, but just being a uh, you know senior and, and those things. So uh, I'm hoping, um, you know, the things that I think it might be are not the <laughs> are not what it really is. And. Uh, and and all the best to him, but certainly strikes me as a guy who is going to be uh, a great teammate and continue to be there for these guys who seem pretty tight knit uh, as a group. And um, so I think he'll, you know, do his best to to still lead in that way. But uh, but definitely tough to see him go down and hope uh, hope everything's okay. Yeah, that's the biggest lingering thought coming out of this one is just hoping Rob's okay. Hopefully he can get back on the court. Um, you know, the last thing that I want to say for last call is just hat tip game ball to the coaching staff. Uh, I think, you know, as we left the Michigan game, that to me was always going to be a game. It was going to be tough to put it in full context until we saw what Indiana did the next game out. 
because, you know, even though the way that Indiana played in that Michigan game wasn't excusable and this program has to get to a point where they can, you know, have a big win and come back 48 hours later and play well again, this is still a pretty immature program in terms of being able to deal with a big win like that against Purdue. And, you know, you have that big win, you're coming back a couple days later, the other team has two or three extra days of rest. You know, sometimes just the schedule and when you play teams and it can just kind of snowball on you and Indiana wasn't ready to play. You know, and so I think the fear for everybody is, oh, man, you know, is this the start of, you know, another February swoon for this program where it's like we had this big win and now we're going to, you know, things are going to start going badly again. And Indiana put a stop to that immediately tonight. And I think a big part of that is the leadership and guys like Trace Jackson Davis setting the tone. But I think it also came from the coaching staff. You know, Mike Woodson wasn't happy after the Michigan game uh, and, you know, as much as we question, or or I guess maybe the better way to say it is we're trying to understand some of the ways that he does things, you know, which seem like NBA ways to do things in a college context and don't always make sense to us. You know, there is something to be said for not panicking and sticking with your guys and letting them know in no uncertain terms what's not acceptable. And he clearly let them know after the Michigan game and had them ready to play today. And the biggest problems that we had with the previous coach were you know, a culture where, you know, poor performances like that became regular as the season went on and an inability to kind of pull the team out of an abyss. Well, what happened at Michigan stayed there, was left there, and they came out tonight and walloped another Big Ten team that had beaten them a few weeks earlier. That's a great sign. So, you know, for any struggles Indiana may have had in the second half or whatever, this was a really good performance, an important performance that Indiana needed. Uh, and hopefully now they can take it to Maryland and start building some momentum uh, in this season as we go down the stretch and get into February, which has not been a kind month to this program over the last four or five years, but we're all hoping uh, and I think have some reason to expect will be better uh, this year. But they got to go prove it on the court. Tonight they did, and let's hope they do it on Saturday too. All right, that will do it for this edition of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And don't forget to go to join.assemblycall.com to join our free email newsletter. Special thank you to Bob Thompson for the music that you hear on the show. And special thanks to John Ringer of Rig Design for designing our logo. And thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you Thursday night for Assembly Call Radio. Until then. Take it from me, James Blackman Jr. Keep your elbows in, eyes on the rim, and get buckets. Go Hoosers. Very appropriate on a night when we go 10 of 13 or whatever it was from three-point range. And one of his performances against Penn State. Yeah, so. I know. I know. All right. That well, was, thank that you. was well, Thanks that for was coming well out. Teed up. Yeah, it was really good right there. That, that was, was smooth. Really that was the difference between uh, preparation and execution, right, Coach? Is that what you said earlier? That's exactly <laughs> right. Very <Yeah>. well prepared. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is true. Like the team tonight, you know, started out great, and the finish was a little, you know, maybe maybe don't keep the starters in there at the end, Coach. Have a have someone to sub in. Uh, All's good. All right. Well, All that's right. a good note well, to end on then. That is a good note to end on. <laughs> So Thanks hey, everything here. all right with my audio tonight? Yeah, you no sound popper. great. I think yeah, no I think popper. the issue was the computer. All right. I think so. All right, well let's figure out who's going to be on tomorrow. I think Ryan said he might be able to pop on like on his phone or something for a segment. 
Um, I got to see what's happening here with everybody getting sick. But we'll I'm good. F- we'll figure it out. Okay. Yeah, we can text okay. about it. We'll figure it out. Okay. Sweet. Thanks for being here, everybody. Good win tonight. Peace, everyone. We'll see you. All right. See, see you tomorrow. You.